Welcome to Radio Tambua, an outreach of ACFA, the Africa Center for Apologetics Research. ACFA equips God's people for the defense of the faith, biblical discernment, and cult evangelism. Let's begin today's message. Greetings to you, brothers and sisters. Not so long ago, we began to talk about a very important relevant topic for the church in Africa, the subject of exorcism or deliverance as is known by many. We noted that this has become so hot a topic that it can no longer be ignored, that so many churches in Africa have an overemphasis on the ministry of deliverance or casting out demons, that most believers live in constant fear that they may be possessed by demons and therefore the need to be delivered from such demons by their pastors. And therefore, a topic like this is not only confusing and concerning, but has left so many believers asking important questions, like how should we understand the subject of exorcism and deliverance? How should the church respond and address it, and especially the excesses or practices that may be performed by churches today? that so many are not sure are biblical. In trying to answer these questions that are indeed very important, we must begin right at the Bible by looking at the scriptures, asking ourselves an important question. What does the Bible really say? How do we see the Bible defining exorcism? In what ways do we see people in the scriptures involved in the ministry of exorcism? And what can we learn from their teachings, from their practices, from their understanding of deliverance, and how can the church in Africa today respond? As we open the scriptures to look at this important topic, we will recognize no doubt that the Bible affirms the reality and the existence of demons. And in fact, in numerous places in the scriptures, both in the Old and New Testaments, we find the Bible talking about demons talking about powers of darkness, talking about Satan himself, addressing the spiritual realm, and in most of these instances, reminding us or telling us how we are to understand these things, and therefore as believers especially, relate with them. You will notice that the Bible speaks about the influence that demons can have in the lives of human beings. A number of times when we look about at, at instances of demons in scripture, we find demons that have possessed human beings. We find demons that reveal characteristics of who they are or who Jesus is as he carries out the ministry of deliverance. Scripture identifies demons as unclean spirits. We find that in Matthew 8:16, in Matthew 12 verse 45, in Luke chapter 7 verse 21, in Acts chapter 19 verse 12. In Revelation chapter 16 verse 14 and several other Bible passages. We also find that demons are identified as spirit beings or disembodied beings. The Apostle Paul writing to the Ephesians in chapter 6 verse 12 says that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against principalities, against the powers and against the world rulers of this present darkness against the spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. The Apostle Paul sees these as powers, as spiritual forces of wickedness, invisible to the naked eye, yet very much real, 
and very much influential in the physical world in which we live. Paul in Colossians chapter 1 verse 16 describes these demons as the invisible forces, which further reminds us that they are disembodied beings. You come to the scriptures and you notice that Jesus himself was very much aware of demonic activity and reality in his day. In fact, of the 29 references to Satan in the Gospels, Jesus himself made 25 of them. Jesus himself was involved in the ministry of deliverance. We see him in the Gospels casting out demons by his word or command. We see him delegating even his power to the disciples to cast out demons in the process of fulfilling the Great Commission as they go about preaching in villages and communities. In the process of some of these deliverance sessions, we see Jesus' divine and human natures recognized by demons and revealed. In fact, there are a couple of instances where Jesus directly deals with demons, like for instance in the Gospel of Mark chapter 5. We read about the man who had an unclean spirit in the synagogue at Capernaum. In Mark chapter 7 from verses 24 to 30, we read about a demoniac or a man who had a legion of unclean spirits and was living among the tombs in Gerasa. You come to Mark chapter 9 verses 14 to 29 and you read about the daughter of the Syrophoenician woman who was possessed by an unclean spirit or demon. In Luke chapter 10 verse 19, we read where Jesus gives authority to his disciples, and he says, Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions, and over all power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Jesus makes it very clear that indeed the world of demons is real, that indeed demons have an influence over the created order or in the physical world and have ability to possess people or take over control of their lives, and that indeed these forces are against the kingdom of God and its activity in the world, and therefore Jesus in his ministry and the preaching of the gospel did not hesitate to face these demons, to address them, to cast them out, and to set God's people free. But as we look at what the Bible teaches, we need also to be noting some of the characteristics of this deliverance ministry as we see it carried out in the first century in the scriptures. Number one, you will note that this deliverance ministry was not a full-time ministry. This is not a case where you see Jesus setting up deliverance sessions and services, inviting people on particular days to come and be delivered from the spirits that torment them. What we see instead is that Jesus has a focus on the preaching of the gospel as well as the disciples, but in the process of conducting the ministry of the preaching of the gospel, wherever they find demons, they address them and they chase them. In other words, the important point is not to go out looking for demons to cast out but to go out preaching the gospel. And when they encounter demons or people possessed by these powers, we see them delivering these people from these forces. We will also notice that in the ministry of Jesus, deliverance from demons was not a process or a series of incantations or, or prayers or some performance of rituals to deliver the victim. That on the contrary, Jesus commands the demons out of the victim 
and instantly these demons come out, either pleading or seeking to recognize the power of Jesus that he has over them. But whatever the case, we see them leave the possessed person immediately and at once the person is set free. Now, if you look at today's deliverance as we find it in our churches, you will notice that there is a lot of praying, there is a lot of rituals performed, there is a lot of calling out to demons and seeking to discover who they are and where they come from and why they are possessing the person. There is so much drama about the act of delivering a person today that you no longer even can tell whether this is really still biblical or we are now practicing shamanism or African occultism where we see the witch doctor perform rituals and do some enchantments to deliver the person who is allegedly under the possession of some spirit. It is important that we compare and contrast that we see deliverance ministry as the Bible shows it to us and look at our churches and see how we are doing it today so that we can ask ourselves whether we are doing it as the Bible's mandates or if we need to rethink or if we need to repent and actually begin to do this work or this ministry as God has outlined for us in the scriptures. It is very important that we notice that in the process of carrying out this ministry, Jesus keeps the priorities very clear that he has come to proclaim the gospel of good news for the salvation of many. In Luke chapter 10 verse 30, the disciples have come back from some evangelism and they have been casting out demons. So they come with great excitement and they tell Jesus about the demons and how they responded. And what is Jesus' response? He says, nevertheless, do not rejoice in this that the spirits are subject to you. But rejoice that your names are written in heaven. The emphasis is not so much about the response of the demons when the disciples cast them out, but the fact that the disciples' names are written in heaven, that they have an assurance of salvation, that they have embraced the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and not just exhibited power over demons and powers of darkness. In other words, what Jesus is saying is that while deliverance is very important, and while the freedom of those who are possessed is certainly something that must be emphasized, that more than that, the gospel of salvation must be preached and proclaimed above all else. In other words, what Jesus is saying is that deliverance ministry only makes sense in the context of gospel preaching. That what the church should be doing today is not to look for demon-possessed people and seek to deliver them, but rather to proclaim the gospel to non-believers, to understand the saving grace of Jesus Christ. And as they proclaim freedom from spiritual bondage, from sins, from the bondage of Satan, more than anything else, they are leading people to Christ. They are proclaiming eternal life to those who do not have it, who do not believe yet. And deliverance is just an aspect of the holistic ministry that should be offered to non-believers today. When the church puts an overemphasis on demons at the expense of preaching the gospel, eventually what it produces is really people who are being delivered temporarily, but remain in bondage and probably will be in bondage for all eternity, simply because they have not had an encounter with Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord. So, how should we respond as a church then? 
how should we approach the ministry of exorcism and deliverance? Well, going back to the scriptures, we must underscore the ministry or the preaching of the gospel, as I have just said earlier. That deliverance is important, but it's part and parcel of the preaching of the gospel and cannot be done as an independent activity. Number two is that it is not a full-time ministry that believers should be engaged in. Believers have been called to fulfill the Great Commission by going out to make disciples of all nations, and only in that context will they deliver people or cast out demons. This practice of churches organizing uh, deliverance services on a particular day as though God is limited and would not work on other days of the week certainly is unbiblical and something that should no longer be practiced in the church, especially in Africa. Number two, we must recognize that while we see Jesus deliver people from demon possession in the scriptures, not every case or every problem is actually demon-imposed. Again, we see this in John chapter 9, as Jesus prays for a man who was born blind and is uh, given sight. The disciples ask him, whose fault was it that this man was born blind? Was it the parents? Was it him? And at the back of this question, they are thinking that for this man to be blind, there must have been a spiritual problem behind him, whether from himself or from his parents that led to this blindness. And Jesus is saying neither is the cause. That this man was born blind so that at God's appointed time, he would display the riches of his glory as he restores sight to this blind man. It is important that we are discerning as the church in Africa, that we understand that not every problem or not every sickness or disease is coming from demons, and therefore not every problem requires deliverance. And that's what we are seeing in our church today, that everything is now being attributed to demons. The person who has an accident is brought for, de for deliverance prayers. The woman who cannot get married quickly is brought for deliverance prayers. The married woman who cannot give birth so quickly is brought for deliverance prayers. The notion that every problem or every hindrance is attributed to demons is not biblical and therefore must be shunned. As we learn about this topic, we must remember that above all else, the gospel is really the solution for the problems of this world. That when people are connected to Christ and in a relationship with Jesus, their Savior and Lord, Jesus who has already overcome and conquered on their behalf, Jesus who has risen from the dead and defeated death, is able not only to save them spiritually, but to deliver them from every aspect of bondage and completely present them before the Father free. When believers ground themselves in the faith, in the gospel, they begin to realize that God has actually provided the solutions to so many of the problems that we find ourselves in, especially as the church in Africa. We must also note, before we conclude, that when we look at the New Testament, while we see Jesus and the apostles engaged and involved in the ministry of deliverance, there is a significant change, especially as we look at the letters of the apostles after Jesus has gone back to heaven. That we see the apostles, rather than encourage people to chase demons, they instead call them to stand firm in their faith and resist them. Meaning, the apostles are saying 
that the antidote to demon possession or uh, demon operation is really not just casting out of demons, but being grounded in the truth of the faith. Knowing who you are and what you believe, the authority that you have in Christ Jesus, the position that you occupy as a child of God, and the truth of the Christian faith is what really guards you from the attacks and deceptions of Satan. For instance, we read in First Peter chapter 5, verses 8 and 9. And what is Peter's advice to the believers? He says, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary the devil prowls around like a lowering lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by the, your brotherhood throughout the world. What is Peter's advice? That believers are to resist the devil. That believers are to stand firm in the faith. Please notice that Peter does not say that believers are to be casting out demons or looking for them wherever they find them. But rather that they are to spend their time grounding themselves in the faith. Growing in the grace of God that is in Christ Jesus. Living lives that oppose satanic works, satanic thoughts, satanic practices and behaviors. And that is how they overcome. In James chapter 4 verse 7, James writes saying, Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Paul writing to the Ephesians in Ephesians chapter 6 verses 10 to 13, he says, Finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. What is the Apostle Paul saying? That in our battle against powers of darkness, we must be grounded in what we have come to believe. We must know who we are in Christ Jesus. That we must stand firm in the faith to resist the devil and to stand against his schemes. In all this, you do not see the Apostle Paul saying, go looking for demons and cast them out. You do not see him saying, go identifying what kind of demons, where they come from, and what their intentions is, and then you can deliver people who are oppressed or possessed by these powers of darkness. But they all seem to be providing the one solution. Stand firm in the truth of the gospel. And as you understand God's will and word concerning you and your life, you will not only be able to stand firm in your faith, but you will resist the devil and his schemes and his wiles. In other words, they all direct us back to the gospel. And they say that the gospel itself is really the antidote against demons and their demonic activities. Does that mean that we no longer need the ministry of deliverance? Certainly that's not what I'm saying. That from time to time we will encounter non-believers that are under the control of powers of darkness. And as believers, we can pray with them and teach them the truth of scripture. And as they know God's truth, God's truth will set them free. Does that mean that we should always have deliverance sessions simply because we need to be delivering those who are possessed? Not really. 
the teaching of scripture is not that we need more deliverance services, but that we need more preaching of the gospel. And as people are listening to the gospel and receiving and believing the gospel, they are delivered not just from their bondage to sin, but also bondage to powers of darkness. And that is why the Apostle Paul writing in Colossians 2.15 reminds us that when Jesus rose from the dead, that he disarmed principalities and powers and made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them. In other words, what the Apostle Paul is saying is that Christ has already triumphed over all these powers, rulers, and authorities, and that he has done this for us. And so, as we stand in Christ, as we grow in Christ, as we live in Christ, as we minister in Christ, we experience the victory that Christ has already achieved for us and now that he gives to us. Believers, do not need to fear demons. Believers need to stand firm in the faith. And they st as they stand firm in the faith and consider the truth that the Christian faith offers to us and seek to exercise them and to practice those truths in their daily lives, they overcome Satan and all the powers that accompany him. May the Lord encourage you and bless you as you continue to carefully think through this subject. To learn more about the Africa Center for Apologetics Research, visit us at africanapologetics.org.